What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Got another edition of our 2023 NFL Draft Prospect Rankings this week for you. This week, we've got offensive tackles. Um, kind of interesting class this year, I think. I'm certainly not going to see the elite talent at the top, which I think is a theme in most of the position groups we're going to see this year, um, outside of maybe defensive tackle, edge, quarterback. Um, maybe missing the elite, elite blue chip talent at the top. Um in this class, but I do think there's some depth. I think there's a couple, um, you know, first strong guys that I like, and then there's some, some position flexible guys that I like as well um, towards the top of the top of the order as well. And this in the kind of this rankings cl- uh, class we've got um, in 2023, um, you know, Olu Fashanu widely projected to be OT one, um, you know, early on in the process, I believe in November, uh, decided he's going to go back to school for another year at Penn state. So um, guy who's always been outspoken, not outspoken, but um, relatively well known that he's been, committed to getting his degree um his parents wanted him to get his degree so um a kind of a surprising decision from a guy who's going to be like i said probably a top five pick maybe um definitely would have been ot1 in this class go back to school um certainly changed the landscape of this class and i think it kind of vaulted a couple names into the top five here into the first round that we otherwise would not have seen um but again exciting class i think i have a little bit of burnout i'm just saying that i don't think the Chargers are going to take a tackle early on i think brett kind of shares the same sentiment, but um, I'll let him kind of give a little overview and then we'll get right into this class. Yeah, I agree. Um, I looked at nine guys. I really counted and I did more notes on the nine guys just because I didn't watch quite as much stuff um, on them. If I watched more than a few drives, I just put them down. Um, but yeah, I mainly watched power five guys for the most part. Um, there weren't a ton of prospects really in the probably top eight or 10 tackle rankings that were from, outside the the power five conferences. So a couple guys that I really like in this class, um, you know, I mean, there could be four first rounders. We, we really don't know right now. So it's kind of waiting and seeing what goes down on draft night, just because every year each class is so much different and every team has every guy ranked differently, which leads to, you know, what some would think are steals or reaches and stuff like that. So it should be fun to see, uh, but that goes for any class as for the offensive tackle class. Like I said, I looked at nine guys and I did kind of just get a little tired of it just cause you know, we're doing every position and next week we have edges, which should be fun. Um, but for yes. the third edition this week we have tackles and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about them. See our rankings uh, differ. They will not be the same this week. And I'm just overall um, excited to get this going, and it should be interesting because, like like it, you said, it neither of our teams are going to take a tackle on a day one, maybe not day two. So it's going to be interesting knowing that our teams won't be taking, don't have really a chance to take any of these guys, barring something crazy. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll get into it. I'll start it off here uh, with one of my honorable mentions. I got four of them, just one of the guys that's a little bit older. Um but I was impressed overall with what I saw. Did have some um, not so good looks, but kick it off with Alabama's Tyler Steen. He's 6'5, 315 out of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I couldn't find his age. I could not find it. But uh, assuming he's almost 23, he was in college for five years. So probably, you know, a couple months from being 23. He played left tackle for the Crimson Tide in 2022. And in 2022, he had six. He allowed 16 hurries, two quarterback hits, and two sacks. So, about middle of the pack stat-wise for these guys. 
I noticed he was strong and flexible. He looks smaller than most. And, you know, being 6'5 and 315, you'd think he'd be pretty stocky. But he does look a little leaner, uh, you know, right right up there with everyone else in a height and weight category. I noticed he can absorb a bull rush really well. He's pretty flexible, which helps with moving to the second level and getting off, you know, getting leverage on guys. Um, he had good sets, great short yardage blocker as well, and he's fast enough to be an effective polar. What I noticed was a weakness was he wasn't the best mover in the run game, and he struggles with quick adjustments and following backers. Um, you know, quickness does seem to be his biggest weakness. While he is fast, he has subpar change of direction, and it seems like he has a one-track mind in terms of assignments and doesn't adjust that quickly. Uh, I think he's going to go around four to five. I saw something that said he'd you know, be around four. So I'd say around there, early day three, I could see some teams trading up to get him. Yeah, no, um, definitely not a guy that I watched, the name I know about. Um, again, you, you started Alabama, you got at least some credibility there. Um, I'm not going to hit all model mentions again. I didn't watch um, a ton in depth on a lot of these guys. Um, but a guy I did watch a lot of, um, Dewan Jones out of Ohio State. Um, actually, my OT6, the guy who just missed the cut, uh, which what was actually a really close, um, you know, four to six group for me, at least. Um, the four to six was pretty tight. Um, a guy, I guess I'll throw in there real quick that I didn't get to watch much tape on was Cody Mao, I believe is how you say his last name, from North Dakota State. I've got a TBD next to his name because there's a lot of people who like this guy. I believe he's got some maybe guard projection in his game as well that we're going to see about. Um, but senior was going to be big for him in the, in the coming week, come, come, coming couple of weeks. Um, guy that I'm absolutely going to be looking to watch in the senior ball. Just hard to find actual tape um, from North Dakota State games. So I think a lot of watch on him. But I'll go back to Dewan Jones. Um, we talk about a mammoth of a human being. I mean, he's six foot eight, 359 pounds, what he's listed at um, via the Ohio State website. Um, the one word I gave Jones was mountain because he looks like a mountain out there. I mean, he's huge. Um, I mean, talk about how big Dan- Daniel Falele was. I mean, he looks bigger than Falele was at Minnesota. Um, I like it from an, I, I like his game a lot from a pure offensive line perspective. I think he's a pretty clean watch. He didn't he didn't get beat a ton. He didn't. I mean, his numbers were great this year. Didn't allow a sack or or a quarterback hit in 393 pass block snaps, um, and only allowed five hurries on five pressures. I mean, it's, those are great numbers. Um, you know, so when you get into a guy like that, and you you look at what he might be limited athletically, um, at least for me, um, a couple of things I noted was um, his hand strike wasn't great. He got wide hands a lot of the times, and and unfortunately in the NFL, it's going to get you called for a holding all the time. Um, didn't get called for a lot of penalties, I don't think this year. Or no, sorry, that was his teammate who we'll talk about later. He was penalized eight times in 2022, five, three of them coming against Notre Dame. Um, you know, Isaiah Foskey gave him some trouble, um, you know, for being 360 pounds, you'd like him to be stronger in his anchor at times. He, he has a fairly solid anchor. If he can get hands on guys, he's got good grip strength, but I wish he would find that anchor a little quicker sometimes instead of kind of just using his weight as an anchor uh, at points. So that's not going to work at the NFL level. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and then in the run game, I felt like he was not strong enough for as big as he is. And I think I said this to you the other day when we were um, we were watching a couple of playoff games. I'd gotten the early jump on some of these off the Ohio State guys um, and the Georgia guys watching the sky cam of the of the semifinal game. Um, but something I noticed with him is that he doesn't drive his feet the way you'd like him to on contact. I think the, a big thing that you notice that at least that I look for with uh, offensive line prospects that that I think kind of sets guys apart from an advancement level um, is guys who can not only run their feet on contact, but through contact and kind of roll the hips 
and really get into guys. Um, and I'll talk about a guy in the top top three who I think does that an incredible job of that. Um, that I think is what sets his game apart from others is that Dewan Jones doesn't really do that. I feel like he's kind of have a lot of shoving matches, and oftentimes um, you'll see him sometimes get shed. You know, a guy will shed him and make a quick tackle. Um, I will say he does understand running lanes well. I, I think this is something that Ohio State coaches because I noticed this with his teammate Paris Johnson Jr. and the other offensive linemen on this team. They understand running lanes well, and I think they have very defined running lanes in their zone in their zone concepts because they run a lot of zone. They don't run a ton of gap schemes. More zone schemes there, and and um, he does did a good job of walling guys off. Again, he's six foot eight, 360 pounds. That that's he used his frame to his advantage a lot of the time. Um, he like I said, he he plays strong when he gets his hands on guys, and in, in, in his past, that's just a matter of like I want him to get better. I want him to get there quicker sometimes, and I want his hand strike to be more consistent because when his hand strike's good, I mean he's he's money in his past sets when his hand strike is on. It's just it's not very often where it's like everything lines up right, and it's like you'd like to see that. A little more. And then the last thing I want to note, um, I don't know how positive here, but one more kind of con I written down was he he gets a little heel clicky in his past set sometimes. Um, and I tell you this right now, like you're going to get guys in the NFL, like TJ Watts and the Miles Garretts and the Bosa brothers who are going to see that and, and they're going to know, OK, I'm going to bull rush him when he gets his feet clicked because he's going to be done. As big as you are, you can be as heavy or as strong as you want. If you're going to click your heels and you get caught, caught with your heels clicked together, you're done. And you just in the NFL, that's how it is. Um, against good pass rushers. So something I wish he would have done a little better was again, I think the big one of him is consistency, but I do like the physicality he brings to the game on certain downs. And I like um he was able to use his frame to his advantage a lot of the time. So again, but a clean watch. I think a guy who didn't get beat egregiously much at all this year, but um definitely some stuff I'd like to see him kind of improve upon, um, taking that step, taking that step to the next level. I agree with a lot of what you said. I'll try not to repeat it. Uh, he is one guy that I will be talking about later in the episode. Um, but since I have three more honorable mentions, do you want me to like go back to back or? I've got a, I've got another guy I can kind of touch on if you want. If you want to give one, and then I can give one, and then we can kind of just go whatever. If you want to go back to back on this one, um, feel free. Or if you want to, that's a guy I watched. I'll, I'll jump in and, and throw some context at it or if i didn't i'll i'll throw some in there but um go ahead whatever however you feel like it flows go for it, man all right because I, I feel like if i have eight left and you have five left if you do touch on a guy then if i go back to back here we'll be good yeah, that's fine go for it um so two guys that are kind of like the third tier of tackles that are still solid guys and i think will be second round picks maybe third um Tennessee's Darnell Wright and Maryland's Jalen Duncan. Um, two good players overall. I think Duncan might be a better guard. Um, you know, Darnell could play tackle. But I'll start with Darnell here. Um, he'll be 21 years and nine months on draft night. 6'6", 335 from Huntington, West Virginia. So just four hours north of campus in Knoxville. Uh, he started at right tackle in 2019, 2020, and 2022. Um, after going back there because he played left tackle in 2021. As a right tackle this past season, he allowed five hurries, two hits, and zero sacks. Pretty solid stats there for him in the SEC. Um, in terms of strengths, he was solid at both tackle spots against SEC talent. He was one of the more patient blockers on pass sets, I noticed, and he did have quick feet. Uh, overall, seemed like he had good core strength uh, to stand up rushers and play low. 
despite being 6'6". Uh, he was effective when locking on linebackers at the second level. Physical in the run game, and he won most of the time at the point of attack. Uh, I did notice towards the end of place, he could give up a little ground after initially winning the rep. Um, he's also not quite as quick, and some defenders would gain leverage, um, launching lower sometimes You know, if they were more speed guys because he can tend to lunge and reach at guys. Um, I noticed he didn't have great bounce or change of direction. I do think he goes probably late second, might sneak into the third. Um, but, I mean, he's another quality guy who's – I mean, I'll talk more about some other guys, but he's another guy that I think could have been in the top five but just didn't make it because of, you know, what I thought and how I think best – how I think these guys could best go in the draft. Um so, yeah, he just missed it. Uh, I, you can talk on him a little bit before I get into my next guy. I'll I'll hold off. He's a guy I've got uh, – we'll talk about a little bit later. But I, I will echo what you said um, a little bit. Uh, succeeded at both tackles, which was big for me. And the SEC had the ability to play both sides, um, which ultimately is what vaulted him into my top five over a guy like Dewan Jones. And just, again, um, you mentioned it. He's got a really good, um, I think, play strength level. I think. Uh, Climbing to the second level was really good for me. So I won't I won't get too much into him. I'll let you get into Jalen Duncan, a guy who I watched a little bit of. Um, then I'll kind of add a little bit of context since you probably watched more of him than I did. Being a Maryland guy too, I mean, I'll let you I'll let you take him. Yeah, I do like uh, most of the Maryland guys, uh, just being where my family grew up and stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, Darnell Wright, real quick. I thought he was a guy that could have made my top five, and it was just tough. Um, with all those guys and I just liked a few guys better than others. So I left him just out, but all my honorable mentions could have been in. It's just, you know, it was a tough decision. Um, but with Jalen Duncan, he's one of the older guys. He's going to be two months from 23 on draft night. He is six, six, three twenty from new Carrollton, Maryland. So only 10 minutes from uh, university of Maryland, which is nice. Uh, he spent five seasons at Maryland playing left tackle the entire time. He played in 11-plus games in each of 2019, 2021, and 2022, so loads of experience. Um, you know, going against Big Ten talent was definitely good for him. Um, in 2022, he didn't play well. He did have 16 hurries, four hits, and seven sacks. So, um, I mean, despite it was a bad offensive line, so you can't knock him too much. A lot of these other guys we're talking about did play on better O-lines. Maryland really had a bad O-line outside of him, and he was just a guy that, you know, teams would exploit because, you know, they had put him on an island with their best guy, but then they had four other offensive linemen that Jalen had to help, and then he was over-assigned to some, um, to some things. And it didn't work out great for him, but he did play really well overall um, across his five seasons. He played in all five, which was impressive. And he does have great size, like I said, being 6'6", and he can survive in pass rush because he has really long arms. He has a filled-out frame, and he doesn't overextend that much in pass pro. He is great in the run game with heavy hands, and due to his size advantage, he gets a push at the point of attack. He isn't that technical, though. Um, he can tend to lose blocks uh, with weak hands in pass pro. Um, his feet don't follow his hands that well. He has a little choppy footwork. He gets off the ball a little high, and he doesn't have great balance. So um, really raw all around pretty much, and it's not something you want to see that much raw um, skill in a guy 
that's almost 23. So I think that knocks his stock a good bit. Um, I think he's projected, you know, similar to Darnell, probably a little lower than Darnell, early third, mid third. Um, but I do think he does have potential, and I do think he he'll be a good guard at the next level. It's just going to be tough for him to be tackled, knowing um, just all the lack, all of the technicalities he's lacking. Yeah, I think I watched a little bit of Jalen Duncan, just being a, a name that was bigger over the summer. I think coming into the year, um, as a guy with a little more experience than um, most other guys in this class, but I think the thing, and you hit on it, is that I felt like I was watching a, like a true sophomore. I was watching a guy who was in his fourth year, and it started for a while. It just looks a little concerning, the fact that the technical stuff hasn't been cleaned up yet. And again, you can blame part of that on on, on probably the Maryland staff and, and the fact that I just don't know if the Maryland offensive lines, that they just weren't that good outside of him. So he didn't get, get a lot of help. I think in a lot of his combination blocks, it was he was doing the heavy lifting on all, almost all of them. So it just um, – but again, it's just the concerning thing with his tape is like at tackle – You've got to make this year over year steps in tech and as a technician. Um, and I just didn't really see that from him. And again, uh, but I think you're right. A guard is a better home for him at the next level. I think as big as he is, I don't know if he carries the weight as well as other guys in this class might. And I think he could kick inside to guard and use that to his advantage and be more of a power player um, rather than enough to try and be a fit. You have to have finesse to play tackle in the NFL, especially now. When you've got guys coming off the edge, I'm not going to keep naming the names. Um, but yeah, and they got Josh Allen, who's stupid fast off the edge. Chase Young, these guys are way too fast. Will Anderson's another one. These guys come in this class. It's like you guys are way too fast coming off the edge to not have some a, a good a bit of finesse to your game. So I think a guy like him who's more of a power player, like you said, heavy hands in the run game, um, can come inside the guard, utilize that better, and kind of work on his power and his pass sets and be a little bit better there. Um, but I'll, I'll touch on one guy that I watched a little bit of as well real quick. Uh, and Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse um, played left tackle for the Orange this year, played right tackle in the past couple of years as a senior. I guess he's really a junior, but he's a, a senior by years, um, the COVID year thing. A lot of guys in this class that are sophomores or juniors, but that's their second or their third or fourth year in college. Um, I like Matthew. I think he's a guy. I don't know if you watched him or not. Um but no, a name that I've kind of seen it in, in some in some rankings and I'm late in some mock drafts that um, kind of stuck out again. Got some ACC honors uh, as a second team All ACC guy this year. Um, not a great offensive line he was on, but I like the athletic traits he has. Again, um, he's not the most refined guy. He's not the most powerful. He got beat a good bit with power. But again, I like the athletic traits he brings to the table. And he's a guy that you can look at and go, I can see someone developing him like a Jackson Carmen has done in Cincinnati for the past few years. When Jackson Corman came out, I did not like him at all out of Clemson. I thought he needed a lot of work. And he had a great game last week, um, a great game last week against that Buffalo defensive line, a guy who's really developed. And you look at a guy like Matthew Bergeron, who's played at a fairly high level in a, in a competitive conference up front, um, you know, played Florida State, played Clemson every year. So a guy who's, again, competitive at a high level um, and has the athletic traits to get there, I think, is a guy who can certainly kind of – you can peg that as a as a developmental guy who, you know, in it, when you're in tackles, you have to do a lot of projecting with these guys. Very rarely do you go, he's plug and play year one. He's plug and play year one. He's a he's a surefire Pro Bowl guy year one. I mean, you just don't see that. I think, um, again, we've been spoiled with a lot of the elite talent that's coming to the NFL. When you look at the Tristan Wirfs, the Rashawn Slaters, the Panay Souls, even Andrew Thomas had a bad year, one had a good year too. 
Um, Jedrick Wills had a good year one. And so I think we're just spoiled with guys coming into the league and being really, really good right away. It's just, it's so abnormal um, that you just don't often see it. So, um, but again, a, a lot of projecting that goes on here. And I think Matthew's a guy you can look at and go, I see it with the traits and I see it with what he does. His pass sets are smooth. I thought I thought he was athletic getting to his landmarks, um, knew where he needed to be. I liked his intelligence kind of in the run game, getting, getting to his, in his landmarks in his own game. So I think the traits are there. It's just going to take some refinement and some strength building for him. But um, I'll let you, uh, if you, I don't know if you, do you have any commentary on him or not. Uh, you, you said you didn't watch him, right? Yeah, I didn't get to him. Uh, I did see, okay. I was going to try to, but it was just ended up being too much. I could have gotten yeah, a couple more, yeah. but I just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll get into my number five since you talked about him, and we'll get I'll get him covered real quick. I got my number five tackles, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Um, I'm gonna scroll down to my notes on Darnell Wright here. Um, I, I like the way I like the mentality he brings to the game. I think he did not get overwhelmed or was never intimidated by the elite talent he was across from. Um, he went up against Will Anderson and held his own. He went up against the Georgia D-line and held his own. He had really good reps against these guys. Absolutely dominated against Clemson. I know Miles Murphy didn't play, but he had some reps against Brian Brzee where it was like, man, he blew him off the ball. Like, blew him off the ball bad. Um, for me, the big thing with him is that he competed at a high level at two different tackle spots in the SEC. Um, and I think that there is less that needs to be fixed in his game for him to be a starter in the NFL. I think um, he's a, I thought he was a little bit tight in his hips at times in his past sets. I thought he's a little bit stiff at times. Um, that said, I don't think he has bad core strength. I think he wouldn't be the mauler he is in the run game with poor core strength. I think, um, you know, again, a guy who we've talked about a lot and you'll hear a lot of the buzzwords that you're going to hear about offensive linemen, like heavy hands or like landmarks or things of that nature that, you know, again, Core strength is a big one for offensive linemen. And I think while he has – he plays high naturally because he's so tall, um, I don't think that the core strength stays here. I think it's just a natural pad level thing that, again, he's going to have to get better in his stance at times. to get a little more flexible in his hips and just kind of get lower, get more comfortable but being a little lower in his stance and just kind of staying there through his past sets. But I liked, I liked the fact that he was really good in the run game. I don't think he needs a lot of technical work. In, the, in his upper body, I think he needs a little bit of little bit of work in his in his pass sets and sometimes with his feet. Um, I don't love the athletic upside as a like a get out and run zone blocker. I don't know if he needs to go to a, a team that needs a um, you know, hey, we want you to play you at right tackle and you're going to be running outside. This is an outside zone predicated offense. Like I don't want I don't want him to go to San Francisco. You know what I mean? That's not the offense he needs to be in. I don't think at least from day one. I think he's more of a inside zone gap scheme guy. I know Tennessee that they don't run a lot of inside zone. They run a lot of quick game, a lot of deep shots. So not the most scheme diverse offense he was in. I would say just they didn't run a lot of different stuff. Um, but again, the powerfulness in his hands, really really good technique up up top. I like his hand strike. I like the fact that his hands really never really got super wide. I didn't think. Um, and again, the fact that he held his own against elite talent in college football was ultimately the, the kind of what pushed him ahead. Of Dewan, of Dewan Jones for me and what made him, it made it really tight between the guy, he, him and the guy I have at number four. Um, I think the guy I have at number four is just the difference. There is the athletic upside that I see with the guy at number four. And, um, but again, Darnell Wright, 
a guy who the, the competition speaks for itself. I think that's going to do him really well. Again, senior bowl is going to be big for him, as do, as will Dewan Jones. Um, but yeah, just like I said, a, a versatile guy who I think can play either side, um, which is which for me is valuable. A guy that has positional versatility. Um, if two guys are pretty evenly matched in terms of the skill set and tape, the guy who is more position versatile is going to get a higher grade and will ultimately be ranked higher for me. So, um, but yeah, I, I kind of caps off for Don. Right? I don't know if much else to say since you hit on him pretty well, but um, definitely a guy that I liked and uh, really liked the mentality he brought to the game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like you said, we talked about him a good bit. I believe we have the same top six, and I think we have a couple guys swapped. So this should be interesting down the stretch. I do have six guys left to talk about. Uh, one honorable mention, and then, I to- and then my top five. Uh, he wasn't my OT six, uh, but I'm just—he's my last honorable mention. Was BYU's Blake Freeland. He will be nearly 22 at the time of the draft. He is 6'8", 305 from Harriman, Utah. Um, and the draft is a week before he turns 22. He grew up 45 minutes from BYU. Four years of production, over 450 snaps in each season, with over 800 in both 21 and 22. Uh, he was a right tackle in 2019 and 2020 before flipping to left tackle in 21 and 22. As a left tackle in 2022, he allowed five hurries, three hits, and zero sacks. I noticed he was great with reach blocks. Uh, and, you know, being six eight, he was actually pretty quick. He had good burst off the line, and upper and lower half move well together. He anchored well against the bull rush, uh, which was big. And then for weaknesses, he doesn't possess the pass pro instincts that you want to see. Uh, he can tend to lunge and reach against speedy rushers. Um, he struggles with being a little bit impatient, and he, like I said, he is raw and pass pro, as most 6'8 guys are, um, but I was impressed with his overall uh, play speed. Project him third round, maybe. It's kind of wild card with these you know, lower-level guys or mid-level, mid-tier guys, tackles. Um, I don't know if you watched him. I don't think you did, but he was a, overall, a little bit. He was overall pretty good i thought based off you know who he was going against yeah um i'll, I'll chime in a little bit here with blake um needs to put some weight on at six eight three oh five he gotta have gotta be a 20 pounds heavier probably um he i thought you're right he I think, I think he anchored well with his lower half but he was not going against elite competition every week being at byu and he's gonna have to have better play strength and functional strength to compete and be competitive at the NFL level. Certainly a guy who, again, similar to Matthew Bergeron with the tools, you go, that could work with this. Give it, give it three to four years. And this guy could work out. So um, definitely a guy that could be a swing tackle for you like Bergeron. Um, but I think uh, long and lean was something that I, that I noticed pretty quick off the bat, just from the measurables and the way he plays. But um, like the, like, like you said, like the way that the hands and the feet move together and, um, and more athletic than you'd think from a six, eight guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's obviously just like raw potential for him and raw film, I guess, just based off quality of opponent and you know his skill set. But being six eight, playing playing college football, I mean, is definitely potential to look at. Um, but I'm gonna go into my number five here, and it's a guy you talked about, Ohio State's Dewan Jones, be three months from 22. At the draft, he is 6'8", 359 from Indianapolis, so two and a half hours west of 
campus. He is seven days younger than Peter Skaronsky and four days older than Darnell Wright. Uh, seems like everyone in this class basically born in the summer of 2001 um, and lives pretty close to the college they attended. Um, but for DeWant, he saw over 690 snaps in both 21 and 22. Um, he played minimally in 2019 and 2020. Um, I don't believe he redshirted, but he did have quality film both his junior and senior year. For his this past season, he allowed four hurries, no hits, and no sacks is what I got on him. Um, I noticed he was just all around a good athlete. He played basketball in high school. He moves well in both pass and run games, and he played with really good strength. Um, he had high high awareness against stunts, and he can anchor bullrushes pretty well, I noticed. Um, he can adjust his leverage also, depending on the rusher. I noticed mostly that he didn't have great agility and was a little tight in terms of flexibility, which means he may struggle against speed rush. And he needs better foot speed was also something that was big. Um, you know, he definitely does have potential. Um, on the older side, definitely probably the overall biggest player in the draft, at least um, offensive lineman. Maybe there's a nose tackle, but not 6'8". Um, so likely the biggest player in the draft. And overall, I thought he played well, knowing the competition he was going against in the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. I think, he, like I said, I'm not going to beat the dead horse here with, with Dewan Jones. Um, but yeah, I, I had to hear him in, in my first kind of word that I put in here was it's, he's a clean watch. Um, nothing wrong with I'm not, I mean, you have no argument for me with him being OT5. Okay? Like I said, my four through six were super tight. Um, it's just a preference thing, I think, honestly. And I think it's a it's a how you see him fitting into a scheme. And um, I watch a lot of zone scheme with it being a Chargers fan. They run a lot of zone. You watch a lot of power gap scheme with the Ravens. And I think Dewan Jones is a guy, if the Ravens needed a right tackle, like right now, Dewan Jones, like, boom, hit the button in the third round, right? Second, third round. He fits the scheme perfectly. If they were to keep the gap power scheme, I think he's a guy that's going to get taken earlier by a, a, a power gap scheme because he fits the mold really well, being a, a big fairly strong guy in the run game. So, um, like I said, clean watch. Um, but yeah, I think you hit all the nails in the head there. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I haven't projected late second, early third, um, obviously depending on the scheme, the teams want, or that teams run and that they want him to run. Um, but yeah, we each have four guys left. I believe they're the same four guys just in different orders. Um, but I'll let you get into your number four and then we'll alternate our way to the top. Yeah. Um, number four for me was Oklahoma's Anton Harrison, um, guy that I, again, big name over the summer, a guy that got a lot of talk, um, kind of as OT four going into the year and a guy that I didn't think would be here. Um, go, I, I thought going into this, I would have the top four, the four and five would be Wright and Jones. Didn't think Harrison would jump those guys, but, um, he had good tape this year. And I think the thing that you look at with Anton Harrison is he's a frankly he's he's really athletic for being a guy as big as he is um i don't i don't know if i wrote him down i know i did somewhere his measurables let me scroll down to him here um and he's six five three oh nine um he's not like the biggest guy in the world at six five but he's like i said really athletic for being a guy who's you know six foot five um and again i think the thing you look at with him is it's a pretty clean watch overall for, and again, he's at a big 12 school, which you're going to take with a grain of salt, but um, 
he's only he's what it's probably 21 or I think he's 21 right now. I didn't find his birthday anywhere. Um, but he's a he's a he's a sophomore. He's a third year guy. Um, you know, he played in all three years he was there. He played nine games in 2020. He started in all third. He played in all third. Played in all 13, started in all 12 in 2021 at left tackle. Um, so he's a two-year starter at left tackle. Um, you know, got, got one start at right tackle against UTEP to open the year for Oklahoma. Played the rest at, at left tackle. Um, and frankly, just a guy who you saw improvement year over year. I think he he got better this year. I think a big thing with him is um, the length he provides. And I think he... For the length he has, he doesn't look lanky, being a little slimmer. He moves really well. He's really, really good in pass. I think he's really smooth in pass pros. I think he's technically he's there as a like from a from a lower body perspective. He's he's there technically. Um, I think when you look at what are the things he needs to improve upon, why is he not in this upper echelon, if you will, of a bona fide first rounder? He's got to get stronger. Got to be functionally stronger. Um, while he is good in his pass sets, there were times when he was a little bit inconsistent in games. Um, wasn't crazy, wasn't super wide, but just a little inconsistency. And then, and then the hand placement—it's the upper body technique that I think he needs the most work in. Um, hand strike was a little inconsistent. Hand placement wasn't always great. He kind of got a little clampy sometimes. Um, but again, with him, he got—he gets to his landmarks well in pass pro. I thought um, while there was some inconsistency, I didn't think it totally threw him off his game. And I think he has good recovery ability in his pass pro, which is something that you have to look at when, Hey, if a guy gets beat, what happens? How can he recover? Cause guys, you're going to get beat in the NFL. I think that's like, and I'll, and I'll use this example. I'm going to talk with this guy a lot today because there's a guy who went to his alma mater. Who's going to gets a lot of talk with this guy is Rashawn Slater. The guy who went to Northwestern, his biggest, his, the best thing about his game and his, his recoverability. If he, if he gets beat, which isn't often, but when he does get beat, and it was in college and it's in the pros, he might have the best recovery skills in pass pro in the entire NFL. When he gets beat, he recovers incredibly well and does not get flagged much. And I think that's something that, that Anton Harrison does well and does better than a lot of guys in this class. It's because he's so athletic at, at 6'5", 309, and he moves really well. He's able to kind of get himself back into, into winning position and back into place. I just want to see it on a little more of a consistent basis and then get the hand strike, the hand placement, you get the upper body a little bit better, um, but I thought he was smart. I thought he was smart in, in, in his combination blocks. Um, again, being a two-year starter helps, but um, early three-year starter. I mean, not that he started in all nine games as a freshman, but he played in a lot of games. So um, being a three-year player at Oklahoma, a, a program like Oklahoma, that's going to help. But I thought he was uh, pretty intelligent for being a guy who's only a sophomore or junior, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you. Um for the most part, I think what you said was pretty much the same what I have because he is my fourth offensive tackle. Um, in terms of his age, he still has to wait six more days to buy a drink. Um, so it's young, he, like I said, he's young. He's a true three-year-and-done guy. Um, yeah, I mean, out of the nine guys I looked at, he's six months younger than the next youngest one. Logged nearly 900 snaps this past season, appeared in 22 games in his freshman and sophomore year, and has played nearly all of his snaps at left tackle. 6'5", 315 from D.C., um, so he is not close to the college he went to. Um, eight hurries, no hits, and one sack allowed this past season. And his ability to move and be agile is huge for him. 
he isn't the strongest, but he gets to his spot first. Um, he can thrive against bull or speed rushes, and he's pretty physical in the run game. Like you said, his hands weren't the best. Isn't the quickest to recognize stunts and blitzes, and he may not stay on his blocks long enough sometimes. Um, you know, he's probably – he might sneak into the first, but he's most likely a second-round pick. Uh, he's probably gone by 45-50 if I had to guess. I bet some teams might be trading up for him, uh, you know, between day one and day two early there on Friday. Um, but, yeah, we've – I think we're both down to the top three guys. I think these guys are another tier above. I think they're in a tier of their own. Um, not only just skill level, but they're all pretty much the same age, um, similar sized, at least two of them. And they all possess similar skills, but they each have their own specialties. So it's interesting to see how we have them ranked. Yeah. Um, I think, and I, we should, and I'll do a better job of this as well. I think we, we haven't done it a ton today, but I think we, we certainly should not. And I'll definitely do a better job myself. You've done a better job than I have is, kind of giving a, a mention of where this guy's stock is and where they could go. Um, so I'll say this about DeWand or DeWand, Anton Harrison and where I think he goes. Um, I think ultimately there's going to be a team that drafts him in the first round. I think there's going to be a, I mean, we saw like Josh, remember what was it? Josh Jones. No, not Josh yep. Jones. Austin Jackson in 2020 went oh. early because there was a team that needed to take a tackle, right? Like, and all the guys were gone. There's going to be somebody that takes him in the back end of the first round. Buffalo sticks out to me as one that Spencer Brown wasn't great this year and, and was a big reason I think that they struggled against Cincinnati. Um, and Buffalo fans are not fans of Spencer Brown, it doesn't sound like. Um, you know, a, a guy who hasn't played right tackle, but I think certainly could. And there's going to be a team in the back end of the first round that goes, we want to take him or a team that trades up and gets him because they want to get ahead of a Houston, a Chicago it kind of in the top end of that second round. So uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, a guy who's probably going to grade out as a second rounder early second. But I think, I think a guy who somebody will take in the first 31 picks, if that makes sense, not 32 this year, because Miami tampered, but the first 31 picks, I think he goes, um, but yeah, I think a guy, like you said, guy who's the athletic ability is what's going to stick out to NFL teams for sure. But I'll let you get to your number three here. And I'm curious right. to see who this is because Frankly, we could have any order of these three, and I and I and I, I wouldn't argue with you about it. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like all three of these guys are, I think, really good prospects. Surely not the elite Panay Souls or Rostron Slaters, but all three of these guys could be in any order, and I would be a okay with it. And I think the order you had these guys in is personal preference. But I'm I'm curious who who your three is. I agree. Yeah. Um, yes. A little weird. This top tier. Like I, like I just said, um, they're all within two months of age of each other, and they all went against really good competition in two different conferences. And, yeah, I'll start off with my third guy, a guy that I may want the Ravens to have the most. Uh, you know, he might be my tackle three, but if the Ravens had all their options, I, know I might who, I know him. who it is. And it's not necessarily because of a scheme, but it's just all around – potential and where he can yep. fit and it's northwestern's peter skaronski um he's 21 that's not who i thought it was gonna be that's not who i thought it was gonna be no who'd you think it was i thought you were gonna say broderick jones oh all right yeah i, thought, I honestly 
We texted about Broderick, so I thought it was going to be him that we were talking about him, but I'm a, I'll, I'll let you keep going. Yeah, we did te- text about him, but the thing about Scronsky was I don't know. Like, in terms of true tackle upside, I feel like Broderick's number one because he has the fewest doubts, I think, about his tackle ability or how his tackle game could translate. Um, my top two guys, it was tough to go either way, and I ultimately went with the way I did for a reason I'll tell you in a minute. Um, but, yeah, Skaronsky is my third guy. I would love him on the Ravens because, honestly, I don't think he's there, and I'd, it wouldn't make sense to pick him. Um, he just has all the versatility. He's the cleanest guy, I think. Um, he is a little bit smaller, 6'4", 315 from Park Ridge, Illinois, which is actually 45 minutes south of where I lived for 10 years, um, north of Chicago. He logged over 820 snaps and played 12 games in both 2021 and 2022. Uh, he played left tackle pretty much his whole career. Um, he allowed three hurries, two hits, and one sack in 2022. His strengths that he is a great all-around athlete and has really high IQ, I noticed. Um, he's crisp in pass protection. He's a vertical mover. He has a firm anchor, and he's solid at the point of attack. Obviously, he doesn't have the best length, and he doesn't lock on quite as quickly due to a little shorter arms. Um, he might not be a left tackle day one. I definitely could work towards being a really good left tackle. He's not the best at second level either, um, You know, going against some bigger five techs. It is a little bit tougher for him um, to get off blocks, but I did think he was really solid, and I think he goes probably 10 to 25 range. So, I mean, it all depends what teams are picking when, but 10 to 25 is about where I have him right now. But, yeah, I mean, this top order was tough. I could have put him in any order, like you said, and, you know, nothing really separated them. I just had to pick an order, and it seemed like it was what's right. Yep. Um, Skronsky was my tackle three as well. So, I, I, and I kind of have a little bit of a rant here, and it's not necessarily a rant, it's more of like a this is why he's tackle three. Um, so number one, I went into the watch expecting a lot better. Um, if you watch the 2021 tape, it is far, I think it is far better than the 2022 tape. He put on, he was 294. Listed at 294 last year, and he looked smaller last year. He's 315 this year. I don't think he carried the 21 pounds well. If he would have just had the same tape as he did last year and not gotten any better, he would have been OT1 for me. He's If he's going to play tackle at the next level, he has to carry that 21 pounds differently. He's going to have to lose it and put it back on with muscle or get to like 305 or 300 or 310. The I thought the 21 pounds he added made him slow. And I didn't like as he was not as agile to me. Um, And I think the one thing that I went into this watch, people wanted to give him the Rashawn Slater comp because he was at Northwestern, played left tackle, was small, had short arms. Slater has longer arms. He is nothing like the athlete that Rashawn Slater was, which isn't, I'm not knocking Skronsky for that. Rashawn Slater was an elite athlete at the left tackle position, being six foot four and like what 310 pounds. You just didn't see guys like him with shorter arms who had the ability to to beat every he beat Chase Young to the spot the whole game. He didn't get beat by Chase Young when they played it. So just it, I didn't like the comp at all. Um, I wanted to get that out there, but 
Um, I, there's going to be teams that were not going to draft Skaronsky to be a tackle. I think he has starter upside at tackle. I think he has all pro upside at guard. Um, so I'll get I'll get into my actual eval on him here. Um, he's easily the most technically refined guy in his class. The one word I gave him was technical or technician. Um, he's really clean in terms of his. I think he's got really good hand strike. He's got really good pass sets. Um, he's I think he's a good mover in the run game. I think he like you said good vertical mover. Um, I thought he climbed he climbed to the second level well. But like you said, I wish he would have been better through contact at the second level and would have been a little better getting in on guys in their chest with the short arms. I'm just kind of locking on. But when he does get – I'll say this about him, and this is the thing I was talking about with, with, with DeWan Jones, is what Skronsky does when he does get into guys, he tries to get into them really quickly, kind of into their chest in the run game. When he gets on, he locks on. He's a good, he, I think he has good hands, good grip strength. When he locks on, he, he drives the feet – at and through contact, and I think that was something that I really liked a lot in his game. Um, and what I think makes him an all-pro potential guard is because of the fact that he dominated guys in the run game when he got into them. It's just a matter of like him actually getting into their chest every play, which just didn't always happen. Um, but if you look at his build this season, he that's a guard build through and through. The way he carried the 315, it was a guard build through and through. Um, but again, he lacks the he, he lacks the size, but he is a he's a mauler in the run game when he gets his hands on guys. Um, he I he recovered well in pass pro. I think while he lacked the agility and speed he did the year prior, I thought he still recovered well because of his technique in his lower body. Thought he stepped down inside well. Um, and then my cons I had for him. Um, this is unrelated to football. I was trying to scout Peter Skronsky against Penn State, and we cut to the Aaron Judge cam. I hated that. I forgot that was a thing. I, I wish I wouldn't have remembered it was a thing. It was stupid. Who cares if the guy is like, who cares? It's not the record. It's just so annoying that I had to sit there and watch like seven straight plays of his half screen, Peter Skaronsky. I'm already watching on a laptop. And then you've got the other half of the screen. It's Aaron Judge striking out against the Orioles. I just don't care. I, frankly, I just don't care. So that was annoying. Um, and then this Northwestern team was so bad. I mean, brother, they were so bad. I, they were worse than the Northwestern team that I had to watch and suffer through the 19, the 2019 film watching Rashawn Slater. That team was bad. This team might have been worse. It was tough to watch. Um, but I, that, uh, back to the Skaronsky thing. Um, you know, I think he's a little bit limited athletically, especially with the weight he put on. I don't think he moved well. And that's my biggest knock on him right now is that I just think he he didn't get wide well enough against rushers, especially speed rush. He struggled with speed rushers this year. I didn't think he got wide enough well. And I think when he realized he was going to get beat, he he overset sometimes. And it forced him to have to recover on the inside set. Um, I think the hype was a little bit blown out of proportion going into the year and through the season. He had, listen, he had a great year, but it was not the year he had last year, I didn't think. I don't think he had better tape, at least in his pass sets. I think his, runs, his run game was great. Um, and that's not what I, that's not my gripe with him, right? That, that's not what I'm. That, that's something you can you can technically you can coach up the run game and get better there. That's that's not what I'm worried about. It's just I worry that he's going to struggle athletically in the NFL at tackle. Now that said, he should absolutely get a shot at tackle to start out. He should absolutely get a chance to be a left tackle for whoever drafts him. That said, I think he's better suited at guard, and I think he ultimately will end up there. This is like this. This reminds me of the Zach Martin. 
or we weren't scouting guys when Zach Martin was drafted. This reminds me of the path that Zach Martin got when he came out of Notre Dame, who was a really good left tackle for them in his career, got the shot and was moved to guard because he just was so much better at guard and he was such an elite guard. Um, and Dow, he's he's a Hall, first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, the guy's one of the best to ever do it. So I think I'm not going to put that label on Skaronski or put that pressure on him, but I think he's a guy who could have a similar career arc to Zach Martin. Um, but I think, again, if he loses the weight and he puts it on, he carries it better, no reason he can't be a starting left tackle every single day in the NFL and be good at it. So um, really interesting eval. Not a lot of guys where I go back and watch the, the year prior tape. Obviously, I do with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I probably will with Nolan Smith with the injury. Um, edge from Georgia, but this is a guy I did that as well, just because I wanted to see like how much different did he carry the weight. I think you look at the Michigan game against Aiden Hutchinson, phenomenal, really good tape. Michigan game against him and Ojabo, just wish he would have moved that way this year. Um, but overall, like I said, the most technically refined guy in this class. Um, you can't really ask for much more in terms of just getting to getting to landmarks, getting to your spot, understanding the concepts that you're in. Et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. Yeah, I agree. Um, good to see we both had him as offensive tackle three. Um, is it you or me? That's a. Um, I guess if we're just gonna run run through, I think I'm up. But if I didn't know if you wanted anything else to Skronsky. Oh no, I, I mean I agree with what you said. A little bit different than what I said. Um, just adding stuff that I didn't. But I agree. I mean, I did think he was the most technical. And really only knock was, I guess, I didn't watch any from last year. I only watched this past season. But if he did play a little slower, putting the weight on, especially at his size, definitely doesn't help his stock. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a little bit smaller, I guess, is the knock right now for the most part. Other than, I mean, we'll see what happens at the combine and stuff like that. But Overall, for offensive linemen, the combine doesn't do a ton for you other than the 40 maybe. So it should be interesting to see how all these guys, um, you know, produce at the combine. But uh, we do have the same two top two guys. Um, I don't know if they're in the same order, but I'll let you get into it. Yeah, I, I will say real quick on Skaronski at the combine. I think, like, you're right. The combine doesn't really matter for a lot of these guys. It's a lot of getting in the room and, and breaking down tape with, with O-line coach, stop and the coordinators. But He's going to be a big common guy. What does he weigh in at? How does he move? Is it be huge, for, at least for me, in my eval form, if I want to move it around? Um, that'll be a big one for me, is the, the common on how he performs. But I'll get to my number two. Um, one and two were, were really hard for me. I, I flip-flopped multiple times on these guys. Ultimately, what ended up being kind of the the shifter for these guys was I think that the guy I have at one needs less work on day one as a starter. I think both these guys are day one starters. Are they – Elite players, no, but hardly anybody is going to the NFL. They're elite. Um, I will say the guy I have at two has the higher ceiling of the two, I think. This guy has a lower floor. I think there are more technical holes in his game, but I think that the athletic profile and the size he has as an advantage over the guy I have at one does make him the higher ceiling guy. If you can plug those holes in his game, you're going to have a really good player. That's Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Um, he's a junior, 6'6", 310 pounds, so he checks all the boxes, size. He's super athletic. Um, the word I gave him was ceiling. I think overall he has a really well-rounded game. Um, there's not a ton of glaring weaknesses that you're going to look at and go, man, those are really – he's a liability here because of X, Y, and Z. Um, there's just some little technical things he's got to get better at, um, and they're kind of littered throughout his game, so it's less 
big weaknesses, more like little things that you're going to see kind of here and there watching his tape. Um, but he's he's young. Like I said, you know, the three guys in the top are all within a few months of each other. They're, they're all pretty young. Um, like the mentality of the run game, kind of a molly. I think he climbs really well. I think he routinely sat down rushers. I think he had a good anchor behind him um, for the most part. Um, he handled the speed rush really, really well, I thought, and has an advanced technique for a true junior. Again, while he does have technical holes, like he's also a junior. He's he's 21 years old. He's not going to be a perfect prospect. So um, in terms of everybody else, he's technically advanced, I think, um, for where he's at. I think he needs to clean up some things in his pass pro and in his pass sets to be – more consistent pass pro guy, but I think he's a good run blocker from day one. Um, only allowed two sacks all year, one coming against Georgia, one coming against Michigan. So his two sacks were against the two best teams he played all year. Um, only gave up 12 hurries on four and 14 pressures and over 400 pass blocking snaps, 423 to be exact. So um, a few more pressures than, than, his, than his teammate, but only penalized once in 827 snaps all year. Um, I, I wrote that he was good in both the run and pass game, but I thought he was pretty great at times in the run game. Um, the thing that I liked the most about him was that he was smart. I thought he picked up blitz as well. I thought he was good in, in recognition and stunts. Guy who understands um, the scheme he's in the offensive line play. I thought he was smart with his leverage as well. I thought he leveraged his frame, um, which, again, something that Ohio State clearly coaches these guys up on is leveraging your frame and being able to kind of play those leverages well. Um, I think the big thing that you notice with him and that you, again, it kind of goes with toolsy guys, but he's less of a toolsy guy. Um, he looks really, really natural in a pass set. It's a very unnatural movement. I mean, for those who've ever done a, a pass set, it's not a natural movement. You're going backwards. Um, but he looks really natural in pass pro, which is another box you want to check. Um, thought he had good punch and reset. Again, I think you, you look for a lot in the run in the pass game. You can't just punch and lock on sometimes. You're going to have to reset your hands. I think when he did that, he was really good at that. Um, I think, again, it kind of goes to the upper body. I think he was pretty technically refined, at least from a, a strike and a strike and kind of replace situation. Um, that said, I think he got a little wide. His hands got wide at times. I think he got a little clampy at times in the past game when he was going to get beat, when he felt like he was on his heels, he clamped a little bit and he kind of clamped and kind of tried to anchor, uh, which I think he could have done a little bit better at, but um, a little more pros. He excelled in the outside run game. I thought a guy who can step into most NFL schemes nowadays and play really well on the outside. Um, again, so the, the athleticism for me that um, gives him the high ceiling scheme versatile as well. Um, mirrors well in pass pro. It doesn't, doesn't usually get beat by the kind of the counter move or the counter counter move. Um, oftentimes you're going to get beat on your first, you, guys are going to beat you or tackles will beat, you know, edge rush enough to go to a counter move or a third move. I didn't think he got beat a lot by third. Once he had a guy beat, he had a guy beat. I don't think he got caught sleeping or kind of playing lazy. Um, and then I thought when guys got the corner on him, um, he did a good job of redirecting the rusher, which I think is another advanced thing that not necessarily from a technique standpoint, but just an advanced offensive line play thing that he did well um, was redirecting the rusher, giving CJ Lane to step up into and throw. Um, again, that kind of sometimes takes a good offensive line with you. I think that helped that he had a guy uh, tackle across from him that was also really good in Dewan Jones. But I think, that he was able to recognize, um, you know, the fact that he was able to redirect rushers and give CJ the line step into is good. Um, and he's always, last thing is he always looks to finish his blocks. He's a finisher to the fullest extent. He's looking to, to guys in the ground and just totally bully him. A um, couple of things I wanted to see from him better. Um, sometimes he gets caught with his head down. That was one of the things I talked about technically that I think he needs to get better at is 
he'd step and his head's down. And it's like, well, you can't see, you don't see what you hit. You get, you have to see what you're hitting to, in there, especially in the run game. Right. I think the times he got beat, I, I think the time he got beat against Georgia, he, had, he was, he was in a, I think he was in a down. Let me see. I'm trying to remember the play exactly. I believe they were past, they were sliding right. The whole line was slide right. He's left tackle. So I think he was inside setting. He had his head down and just got beat. I think that I see they're one of the two passes that he gave up a sack. It was because of that. And the times in the run game when he got beat, kind of off the line with defensive line. His head was just down, which again, that's fixable. It's just to see what you hit and keep your head up. Um, and then I thought he struggled to anchor. And this is the thing that I needed to, that I thought was the biggest thing in his game. When guys used good speed to power, which is w- what I saw against Georgia, when guys could take speed to power really well, he struggled to anchor against when he was trying to get out wide on these speed guys. He struggled to anchor when they were able to get to the edge and then bull rush in, um, which is something you don't really see from a lot of college guys, to be honest. That's what separates a lot of these elite edge guys from being guys who don't go to the league and guys who do. Um, and Georgia has a lot of those guys. And so I think he got beat a couple times on that. And then um, just the inside move, I think seeing him get his inside foot down quicker when he needs to, you know, he's either soloed up um, or they're in a, a full slide situation. I want him to get his inside foot down quicker and, and get a better first step in his, in his pass pro there. But other than that, um, he's a clean watch again. I think he's the highest ceiling just due to the fact that he's got um, all the athletic traits. He's bigger. He's longer than the guy I have at one. Um, but again, it just um, some things I want him to clean up a few more holes in his game than I thought than the guy I had at one. And I think the guy I have at one, brings a meaner, nastier mentality to the game, which is ultimately a preference thing for me. I don't know how, who you have it two and one, but the the attitude in which the guy I have it one plays plays football um, transits to the NFL. And that's something you can always see in a lot of college guys um, with paired with the elite skill set that I think he has. I agree. Um, yeah, Paris brings pretty much everything you want in the tackle at the next level. Um, you know, pretty clean stats. I'd say Broderick was maybe a hair better stat wise this past season going against a hair better competition. Um, you know, D lines that he was going against, especially in practice being at Georgia was definitely different. Um, but yeah, our rankings were pretty similar. We switched, uh, five and six and we did switch one and two, um, overall top six guys being the same with, you know, roughly the same order is impressive. Uh, these top two guys, like you said, um, you could argue that they're in a tier of their own in terms of tackle ability. Okay. Both I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. They're both projected, I think, from pick eight to pick 20. I don't think they get to 20, but I just depends on who trades and who's there. Um, they both do have a really good mentality, like you said, nasty mentality. Um, and they both grew up close to the campus. I mean, these are guys that, were heavily recruited um, and likely from a young age, they knew they wanted to go to Georgia and they wanted to go to Ohio state. And so I think that definitely helped, um, you know, both played along good old lines, both had good quarterbacks. So a lot of similarities within not only their skill sets, but the team around them uh, ultimately, you know, playing each other in the semi and, you know, you could argue that Ohio state should have been national champions. But anyway, I'll get into Broderick Jones, my second-ranked guy out of Georgia, like you if, said. Or, if you want to get into Paris first, because if, if you like that flow, if you want to get into Paris first, you can. If you feel like that flow is better, since I just talked. Or if you want to go Broderick first, it's up to you. But I just threw that little out there. If you, if you want to kind of make you do that and say that, that's fine with me. Yeah, I guess I can touch on Paris and then uh, round it out with Broderick. 
so yeah, my number one guy was Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Two months from being 22 at the time of the draft, he is two inches taller, um, 6'6", 3'10", out of Cincinnati, which is about you know just under two hours west from Ohio State's campus. He barely played as a freshman in 2020. He did play 25 games combined in 21 and 22, uh, two successful seasons for the Buckeyes. He had 757 snaps this past season, and he played right guard in 21 and left tackle in 22. So he does have guard experience. He can play um, guard while he won't. Um, He can slide in there. 22 stats were nine hurries, no hits, and two sacks. Um, He is a mover in the run game. He has a wide base. He plays low for being 6'6", and he fires off quickly. He has that O-lineman mentality like you mentioned, and he did have improvement each season, which was big. Um, He's agile in both the run and pass games and can seal the edge pretty well. I do think he can play guard at the next level. Um, I do think he'll be a tackle, but he could be a good guard if tackle didn't work out. Uh, He doesn't bring a ton of power. Um, He does need to approve against linebackers at the second level, moving with the backers and controlling their chest plate and stuff like that. Um, He needs a little improvement in the pass game, and he's sometimes impatient. Uh, He doesn't take the best angle in the pass game, um, which is always a knock against O-linemen, but definitely something you can clean up with you know, NFL level offensive line coaches and, you know, even pass game coordinators and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, you said it, a uh, really solid guy. He played on a really good O-line with a really good quarterback and really good weapons. Um, he didn't have many flaws. Uh, Broderick and him, you know, both are safe picks day one, safe top 15 picks that a team can rely on, a team can build with and really lock down offensive line for years to come. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think, like you said, with Paris, these guys were really close together um, for me. Um, And, yeah, I think for me what separated them was the level of competition that they went up against. Um, But I'm not going to – I have no issue with Paris at one. I think ceiling-wise, I think he does have the highest ceiling. That's a great reason um, to have him at one. It's a reason I almost put him at one. I'll, I'll let you get into Broderick first since I got into Paris for us. I'll let you get into Broderick first, and um, then I'll kind of round out um, today, kind of finish up with Broderick. I got you. Yeah, I mean, while Paris does have probably higher seeing, a little bit bigger, um, Broderick did go against better competition, being in the SEC. normally have the best trenches, um, quality, talent quality there. Um, but he was my second guy. I thought about putting him at one, and I liked Paris a little bit better, plus I knew Broderick was your guy. Um, he is a month older than Paris, so not really a difference. Two inches shorter, the same weight. He's from Lithonia, Georgia, which is just over an hour southwest of Athens uh, on the outskirts of Atlanta. He didn't play much in 2020 as a freshman, but he did lock down the left tackle spot in 21 and 22, uh, winning back-to-back national championships. Played in 24 total games with over 800 snaps this past season. He allowed eight hurries, one hit, and no sacks. Um... He has a really nasty mentality that you want from an O-lineman. He has great hand strength, a strong core. He's really good recognizing stunts. Uh, Surprisingly flexible, I noticed. And he's dominant on double teams. In terms of weaknesses, he can over-pursue a little bit on some blocks, leading to some linebackers slipping and making plays. Uh, Very rare, though. And he's not quite as technical. um, And he plays maybe a hair too high, is what I noticed, for being 6'4". Other than that, he was really solid. You know, projected top 15 or so as well. 
and it should be interesting to see who goes first between you know these top three guys really i think any of them could go first and i would understand it um but yeah it was fun watching these guys overall uh, before i let you round it out i just it was fun too i watched you know eight nine guys and i think overall you see a lot of things in guys that maybe this class lacks but that certain teams will be like, oh, I really want that on my team next season, more so than other years, just because of the difference in classes that a draft has year to year. Whereas, you know, last year we had a weak quarterback class. This year we have, you know, a stronger quarterback class, but not like 2020 or 2021. And we have, you know, really good corner class that's deep as it's ever been. And while the offensive tackle class hasn't been as good this year, you're going to see teams, I think, be a little more aggressive for these offensive tackles, knowing that while the talent isn't maybe as premium, um, their skills are coming at a premium with it being just fewer guys and not quite as top heavy. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think again, lacking the top heavy, but I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of guys with, with particular traits and things that you're going to like about their game that NFL teams will go, I'm going to take a chance on that. Or that's a, that fits what I want in a tackle. Um, but yeah, I think um, Broderick Jones, like you mentioned, six four, what three hundred and ten pounds. So, um, you know, I I was using PFFs like hits, hurries, stats. So I had a bit no sacks, two hits, and seven hurries on nine pressures. So what one one each difference from what ESPN have on him? Um, four hundred seventy passing snaps to go with a ninety nine point zero pass blocking pass blocking efficiency. Only got penalized twice. Um, he's a phenomenal athlete. I think um, the only thing that for me separated him from in Paris is that the Paris is two inches taller. Um, so it's a little bit more impressive the way he moves. But for a guy who's six four through ten, I mean, Broderick doesn't look like he's 310 pounds. He doesn't look like he carries it that like that. And he's pretty lean for being three ten. Um, he's incredibly athletic on the edge though. Um, I thought he was really good in his pass pro. He get, he gets to his landmarks really quick. He beats guys to the edge, which I liked. Um, he has good technique for the most part, some footwork to clean up, but I think an overall really solid technician for, again, a young guy. Um, I think he understood his leverages really, really well, especially for a guy who's being 6'4". I think he understood how to get inside uh, and, and, and leverage guys' pad level. Um, again, kind of played a little bit high for a guy who's only 6'4", but that's something you can clean up a lot. Um, I love about him is great foot drive. The mentality he plays with the game. Um, I mean, he's looking to finish literally everybody he comes in contact with on the football field. He wants to finish them and put them in the ground on their back. It, it, it's awesome. Um, he's really good climbing to the second level. Thought he played with um, a lot of patience and, and for the most part control in his pass game. Now, I did think he'd get a little over aggressive at times um, trying to just just demolish dudes. I thought he got a little bit over aggressive, which is, again, I mean, something that an NFL staff is going to have to be like, hey, Broderick raining a little bit, be a little more even keel sometimes in these reps. Not that he was doing it in a bad way or that he was letting his temper get to him at all. It, nothing like that. It's just his mentality. He wanted to be, he wanted to demolish everybody. And at times he got a little, it was a little over aggressive, but not something I'm really worried about at the next level. That's just a, Hey, rain it in and um, be a little more consistent with it. But that's not something I worry about at all. Um, he absolutely dominated in pass work against LSU. Um, Harold Land, he, he, he made quick work of Harold Landry most of the game. Um, B.J. Ojolari versus um, Broderick Jones was an awesome battle in that game. Um, Ojolari being the younger brother of Aziz Ojolari, Georgia Edge, who is currently with the New York Giants. Um, B.J. went to LSU, guy who, you know, fringe 
I think he's a fringe first rounder, probably a second rounder. Um, really athletic off the edge, though. Ojolar only beat him twice off the edge, and it was on back-to-back plays with the same move, basically. It was um, with the long arm, which is BJ's best move. Um, but other than that, I mean, other than those two reps, and one of them was a third and long, um, Broderick dominated the whole game. Um, whenever he does get the technique cleaned up in the run game, he's going to be a a monster in the run game. He's got some, like I said, he's got a little overaggressive sometimes. I'd like him to be a little more in control in the run game sometimes. I think he gets a little bit tunnel vision, kind of climbing the backers at times or kind of on down blocks. He gets a little bit tunnel vision. Um, but he's going to step into a system that predicates itself outside zone, similarly to Paris Johnson. He's going to be a really solid left tackle, I think, right away. Um, I think he can play right tackle, certainly. Left tackle, right tackle, doesn't really matter for me. I think he's athletic enough to do both. Um, not that he played much right tackle with at all at Georgia, but he is certainly athletic enough to do it. I don't think that's it's ever ever the problem for him is going to be versatility across offensive line. Um, super super high effort guy. Um, I just he's got to get a little bit stronger. Um, like I said, he's pretty lean at three ten. So he's he he just I want him to get a little bit more functionally strong. I think strong through the hips is what I would like to see him kind of get better at um, and just kind of get better playing with a, a lot of strength through every rep. I think he's trying to just beat guys and explode through guys. I want him to be a little more controlled with his strength at times. Um, but again, other than the play strength, which I think he can improve, this guy's a really clean watch. Um, I, I, I absolutely love the mentality he brought to the game. Um, and just love the fact, again, he, he, he wasn't dirty about it. He wasn't, you know, trying to cheap shot guys or he wasn't being, you know, a jerk about it to, to other guys. It was, Hey, I'm, I, between, between the whistles, I'm going to demolish you. And he didn't, he really didn't chirp guys. He really didn't, you know, take it past the whistle, um, you know, through the whistle certainly, but not past the whistle, which is another big one for, you know, Trevor Penning, um, who's been an absolute horrible pick for the Saints. I'm not praying on his downfall, but I would like to say that we both called it early on him. Um, but no, Broderick, everything you want to see in a guy, um, and I think he's going to be a great left tackle in the NFL. Obviously, he's not an all-pro year one, on a pro bowler year one, but a guy who I think when you look at a projection, um, you know, a three- or a five-year projection, he's he's a really good starter for you. I think whoever drafts him is going to be um, very pleased with the player that they get. Uh, I'll, I'll, again, a lot of it's going to be like how do these guys handle the film room is a big one that we don't get to see. Uh, and it's going to be a big one for a lot of teams, although I, I won't lie to you. If Mike Vrabel gets Broderick Jones into a meeting room, and they get to just talk about just destroying other people on football fields and committing what would usually be a felony assault, but like it's legal because it's on a football field. If they can get together and talk about that, he might not fall past what what are they at eleven? Because they need a tackle, right? They need a left tackle because I don't think Lawan's back. So I, I Broderick Jones to Tennessee just chef's kiss. It, the the marriage between head coach and player mentality would be perfect. Um, but no, I think. Both of these guys, I think one of them's a Jet for sure. Um, the Jets need a tackle at, what, 12 or 13. Titans need a tackle. So certainly if you go early, uh, I don't think we're going to see a tackle in the top eight. Um, I think, like you said, 11 is probably where the run starts in these guys. Maybe eight if the Falcons want to take one, but I think they're going to go with the defensive guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is this is an interesting class. Again, a little bit of burnout, but loved, loved, loved watching Broderick Jones. He's I think I texted you like, hey, Broderick Jones, he's my guy. One of my guys. He's my guy in this tackle class. Like, I love him. 
love his game. Um, absolute dog, no pun intended, being with the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but yeah, no, that kind of wraps up the class. Um, excited for Edge next week. I think both of us are excited about a position that I think I think the Chargers could certainly draft in the, in the first round, certainly in the first three rounds. Um, first, it is the draft. I know Edge is a position that the Ravens usually look to look to improve upon at some point in the first two days of the draft. Um, it's an interesting class. Obviously, a guy that's right in our backyard here in Lubbock with Tyree Wilson. Um, looking forward to getting into his watch a little bit more. Um, obviously, saw him all year in person, but certainly looking forward to getting into his tape a little bit deeper. Um, kind of every rep on the, especially the away games. Um, but an exciting class. Got a blue chipper in that class with Will Anderson. Spoiler for next week: Will Anderson is edge one. I don't even have to. Is no one's gonna, no one's going to touch him. He's going to be edge one. I mean, he, we talk about him as a Heisman Trophy candidate on this podcast. So, um, but no, really looking forward to the edge group. Um, fun tackle group. Really looking forward to the edge group next week. Um, I don't think it's intentional, but we're kind of going with counterparts right now. We had ta- we had receivers, then corners, then tackles, then edges. I don't know if it lines up that way. I'd have to look at my the picture of our of our schedule for this, but um, unintentional for sure. But it does line up nicely. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I've got for today. Um, I'll let you kind of close out any any last statements you got or words for us today. Yeah, I don't think I really have any right now. Um... Just, I mean, we had the same top six tackles, just switched one and two and five and six, like I said. So that was pretty impressive. Um, Great minds think alike, right? I mean, shoot, here we are. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how these rankings change over the course of the offseason, considering we're not even to the senior bowl yet, uh, let alone the combine and meetings and stuff like that. So it should be interesting to see um, how, if these do change and kind of what teams think of these guys. Uh, we're already seeing a good bit of smoke screens early on here in the offseason. So it'll be fun to see how the course of the offseason progresses, especially for these draft guys. And I'll definitely be looking at edges here in the next couple of days and starting to get that class going. We could have the same top four. And, I mean, we could have the same order like we did with corners. Um, that is very reasonable uh, to say. And I think – like you said, with Will Anderson at one after that, I think there's another two guys with uh, Tyree and Miles Murphy. And then, you know, you could have another two guys and it's like, who knows what the order could be after three, really. I mean, it should be fun to do that. We have edges. That's our fourth edition next Friday, this upcoming Tuesday. We have the uh, just normal episode talking about whatever's going on, whatever's current uh, conference championship recap, Super Bowl preview. Stuff like that. If you didn't know, uh, conference championship games are this Sunday at two and five thirty Central Time. Um, Pro Bowl games. Pro Bowl is next weekend in Vegas at the Raiders Stadium. Uh, we'll probably talk about maybe some Pro Bowl games. Um, you know, maybe some dodgeball or whatever they're doing. We'll figure out what games they're doing. And while we're both AFC uh, team fans, um, the AFC normally wins the game. We'll probably, you know, have an outlook. Um, I wish they still had the fastest man competition, but um, I know I would love to see it. Who do you who do you think it is? Since we're since we're here, who do you think it is? I honestly think everyone healthy. I think it's Raheem Mostert. Um, that's probably my guess. There's a lot of guys that'd probably be pretty close, but I think he probably wins. Him or Thornton? Might, I think Tyquan Thornton might win. Tariq Woolen's up there for sure, but, I mean, Thornton's fast, dude. Right, long yeah. strides, long legs. I'd like to see him do, like, a 40 and then, like, a 60 or, like, an 80 or 100. A 100-meter 100 dash would be cool. Um, but, no, I think 
definitely talk about that a little bit. I will also add about the edge class next week. Another class with a guy with top 10 potential who opted out or unopted out, decided to go back to school, been Jared Verse out of Florida State. Um, guy who was getting a lot of pub, a lot of hype, um, dominated this year, decided to go back to school. Um, a lot of Florida State guys go back to school. I think, they, I think they've got a lot of a lot of hope and, and um, we'll get something good going there with, with Mike Norvell and his squad, and it could be a, a real contender next year with, with Jordan Travis and the guys they got back. But if you wanted to add that in there, then another class next week, like Olu, Vishanu in this class, um, another top 10 opt out and in, in opt out again, guy back, guy going back to school in Jared verse. But um, like you said, going to be an interesting edge class. I think, um, I think, I think we're going to have the same top three. Uh, I obviously have, have not watched much of these guys outside of Tyree. Um, we're really excited to get into it. A, a pretty deep class. I think um, maybe not the elite, elite talent outside of Will Anderson. You're going to see every single year, a lot of projects, but um Got some good depth, I think, too. But that kind of wraps it up today. I think we'll um, definitely have some stuff to talk about on Tuesday. Going to be a, a kind of a busy weekend with football, I think. Uh, Going to be some surprising things that happen over the weekend. The Shrine Bowl is pretty soon. I think the Shrine Bowl is actually – what is it? This Is it this weekend or is it next weekend? Um, I believe it's the second. That's right. So it's this next week. So we'll, we'll have some – maybe we'll do some Shrine Bowl preview as well. Um but yeah, that kind of wraps it up for this for this episode. We'll see you guys on Tuesday with the normal Cold State episode. Yeah, we'll see y'all soon.